Hello and welcome to my podcast, Leaving Religion and Those We Leave Behind. Today I have another beautiful guest, Kate Strong, and I am excited to share her interview with you. And just a reminder to get signed up for my emails on my website, amandajoyloveland.com. I have some new freebies that I'll be launching here soon, and we'll send an email out when those are available. So you'll want to be on my mailing list for sure. And then follow me on social media at amandajoyloveland. Um, and if you are not haven't already given me a review, please do so and share as again, these guests, these interviews are so profound, so beautiful, and truly just helpful for all of us in making a change in our, in our lives and in this world. So with all of that said, let's dive into the conversation with Kate Strong. Good morning. Good morning. Today I get to sit with Kate Strong and I get to hear your story because I really don't, we're friends, but I don't know your story. So I'm super excited to sit with you and just appreciate you showing up. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've always loved about you is your huge heart. I think I've, I feel like I was sitting here racking my brain because I'm like, I feel like we've sat and had a podcast before and I'm like, no, we haven't. haven't. We haven't done this. So it's so bizarre to me. Maybe it's a little deja vu. For some odd reason. It feels like we've been here before. (laughs) There's a glitch in the matrix. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We could talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. So where do you want to start with your story? I know you said you're very clear on what you want to share. So I'm going to let you Yeah. Thank you. Um, In fact, I was listening to your previous podcast. uh, The one was, and was inspired by just the raw, authentic. Yes. She was just like, this is my experience. And for me to be able to talk about experience without having judgment attached to it mm-hmm. um, is something that I'm still working through. I was born in a culture that it was, we were the one true right, this is it. And if yeah. it's not this, there's a lot of judgment about different ways of doing things and how things look. And so um my experience, how do we start off? I mean, I think well, I'll... You yeah. didn't grow up in Utah, did you? No, and that's... So I was in Alabama. accent. So Alabama Mormon is very different than Utah Mormon. Where in Alabama? Southeast of Mobile, Fairhope. Okay. A beautiful, beautiful, on the bay, just jubilees, you know, Aww. fish and crab wa- wash up and... We walk and pick him up and have a jubilee and shrimp boils How and fun. the Gulf Coast, beautiful, white, sandy, sandy beaches, yeah. the Gulf of Mexico, warm mm. water. We had a good time. And being Mormon in Alabama was um, unity, um, a community, yeah. people that um, my mom was a single mom and she depended on the Relief Society to mm. pick us up from school or stay with her friend. It was yeah. a support system. Yeah, and when you met a Mormon in Utah, where in, where I grew up, where there were like five of us, uh-huh. you know, one in my whole school, maybe two if my sister was there with me, um, we were peculiar. We were different. People wanted to know if we had, you know, do you have any uh-huh. kind of horns or let me feel and, um, you know, how many wives and all of the things. And I thought this feels so weird because I've never heard of this stuff. Yeah, in Alabama, yeah. So there was five people in your whole, yeah, in your whole so school. So we were just like loving each other, supporting yeah. each other, community. Um, yeah. It was a great experience. It was a, mm-hmm. There was a lot of support for my mom. As a single mom, I can remember missionaries coming over and yeah. helping with yard things. It was a lot of service. It mm-hmm. was, yeah, a beautiful 
a beautiful experience. It gave me community. Mm-hmm. Um, being from divorced parents, I always just wanted to sit and have family dinner. It was yeah. like, oh, if I could have anything, this is what I want. It was so important to me. Yeah. How young were you when your uh, parents were divorced? Five. Oh, so quite young. Yeah. I, do you know that I lived in Alabama for No, a where? I was in Huntsville, Alabama, so northern. My so aunt's there, yeah. Quite a ways away. Actually, it was Madison, Alabama, mm-hmm. but most people don't know Madison. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Lived there, yes. and that I loved it. Yeah. But more, being Mormon in Alabama was way different than being Mormon in yeah, Utah. Yeah, so you know. <laughs> yeah, so I loved that. And I had my best, my best family friends who were Mormon. I spent so much time with them. Yeah. On a Friday afternoon, I would go over to my friend's house and I would be there all weekend. I ended up falling in love with their son Aww. and just this beautiful experience of high school of like mm-hmm. this family that I loved so much and spent so much time with. And, yeah. you know, we did trips together. We did fun things. It was um, such a beautiful experience. I did often get um, a lesson at my friend's church, the, you know, I would friends all over who were everything but Mormon. And so I wanted to hang out with my friends. So there's so much of like social part of church, I Uh think for teenagers. Um, and I remember them specifically having lessons about Mormons while I was there. Oh, really? Yes. What church was it? It like was the a, Baptist church. Baptist. Yeah. yeah. And I just remember sitting there and thinking the way they the way they were talking about it would be as if maybe I was watching a Netflix documentary on cults. Oh, interesting. Okay. Just factual things like huh. But things that I hadn't heard, and then I thought, is this the church I go to? Like oh, what? Wow. How old were you there? Um Probably like 12, 13-ish. And I was baptized because my sister, my oldest sister got baptized. So I was of age, I think I was nine. And so we both got baptized on the same day. Cool. Yeah. um, Just, yeah, a a really beautiful um, experience. You know, my mom, one thing I love, and she says this, she knew that she could only do so much. Mm -hmm. And she felt like she brought in this support group in this community to like be part of something beautiful. Yeah. So there are so many beautiful memories that I have in Alabama of being Mormon. And I went to college and um, my second year in college, my sister came and lived with me. And let me tell you, she's a partier. <laughs> so we had a good time. We Aww. had a really good time. And um, where I want to go today, and this is what I was feeling, you know, I get to share. We were at Auburn University, again, just a mm-hmm. fun school. They know how to mm-hmm. have a good time. And I had been there for a year. Um, my sister moved out. We had a really good time. Couldn't decide, you know, am I more into the weed or is it the drinking? But I <laughs> knew that doing them both together wasn't the best idea, cocktail. but that's kind of how the Mormon thing is. Once you say why well, I'm sinning, I, I mean, Might as well whatever, it's just like balls to the wall. Here yeah. we go. Like, what are we doing? I could have a whole podcast on that, right? Just like <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the pendulum swing of, oh, yeah. wait, it's not morally wrong or I'm choosing to do it, but having conversation is really important about, let's talk about why we're not drinking alcohol. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's some really important things here yeah. that we need to have an educated conversation about. And yes, you can do it. And you, you know, I look at some of my friends whose parents drank and they drank and they, there was never this pendulum, like just oh, yeah. girls gone wild, you know? <laughs> 
Well, you know what's interesting about that since we're on that topic for a minute? Because my I grew up Mormon, nobody drank. And then when I left, my kids were somewhat old enough. They were younger, but they were old enough that they had never been around alcohol. So when I started drinking, it was really uncomfortable for them. Mm-hmm. I remember like, Mom, are you okay to drive? Like It was like, yeah, dude, I had one glass of wine and I, you know, it was very uncomfortable, uncomfortable for them because the whole stereotype that, yeah, it's, you have one drink or one sip of something and you're just, you know, it's scary and it's evil. And so it was interesting to have that, like, you know, it's okay. Yes. It's okay. So I agree with you with the whole conversations and yeah. Yeah. Have you real conversations around alcohol? Exactly. Let's like talk about it. So Um, so I had a boyfriend in college and he was Baptist and I was, a I was a Mormon girl who was having a really good time experimenting with fun things, but I, sex was the one thing that was like, no way. Cause that's the worst thing you could ever do. It's the one sin. It's the one thing you don't do. Mm -hmm. Um, so my boyfriend and I waited for a really long time and we were in Atlanta, Georgia, and he was playing in a bowl game. So it was mm-hmm. exciting and fun. I was a tigerette, not the cheerleader Aww, type, but yeah. we recruited the football players and the athletes to come in, just show them a good time, right? So right. just fun times. And we were there for the game and he and I were making out or whatever, which we did often. And I mean, we had been together for like a year and a half. And so we started having sex, but we both felt, well, at least I felt so guilty. I thought he did too. And so it was just really fast. It was like, no, like no one was like climaxing. Well, anyway, he did, but so really fast. And then (laughs) we went to dinner after we were having a conversation and he said, what are, I think it was something along the lines of what are we doing? And he said, well, you're Mormon, so I could never marry you. So I took that as like, rejection oh, just yeah. like especially oh, right my. after yeah like wait and so I said well then what are we doing and we broke up yeah so fast forward um we're broken up and it, I don't know it's been long enough that I hadn't had my period so my sister and I are in the car driving and she's asking me she knows everything right and she's like well are you pregnant and I was like she goes could you be because I had of course never even told her I had sex mm-hmm Um, And I thought, no way, like, no, especially with so like, no way, like, I'm not, there's no way she's like, well, if you did it, then we got to, you know, so I'm like, okay, so we go get our pregnancy test. And I got home. And when I took it, my knees buckled and I hit the ground because I'll tell you what, in that moment, when you get that pregnancy test, it's positive. That is like, that's an oh fuck. Mm-hmm. Woo, right? Like you're like, sh- my life just stopped mm-hmm. in the direction it was going and everything is different in this moment. Yeah, And the shame and the like, just all of it. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I was depressed and I wasn't eating. And I remember specific moments of my sister saying like, you've got to start, like, you got to just like get out of this denial and just move forward. So I went to my bishop and I decided I'm going to put the baby up for an adoption because there was no way I was, for me, Mm -hmm. the abortion thing was just so, I have a friend in high school 
who had an abortion and the bishop sat down with me and brought out a manual to find out like what my punishment was going to be because I was her friend and loved her and like drove her there. Oh, really? Yeah. It was a very interesting um, thing about abortion. My experience of like what the judgment about that looked like. Yeah. I've never, there wasn't a choice. It didn't feel like, it didn't feel like I had a choice. So yeah, I just felt helpless, you know, like, and, and my mom at the time was in a interesting space. She was not really available emotionally. Um, so I made up a whole plan and I was given the baby up for adoption with LDS social services. I was going to, I was working at the athletic department at Mm -hmm. Auburn university and I was a tigerette. And so, um, the shame, I just didn't want anyone to know. So I was just going to go to, um, to North Carolina and live there and then have a baby and come back to my life. That Mm -hmm. was my plan. And, um, how did your mom react? mm, I didn't tell her for a long time. Yeah. For a really long time, it was such an interesting time of my life. Like, oh, I can um, imagine. So fascinating. Um, in fact, for those of you who are wondering, I I lost the baby. Um, we were moving to North Carolina. We had about three or four days before we were going to start packing. And I was on the couch in the living room, and my water broke. And I remember this sensation of not even knowing that that was an option, that something like that could happen. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is weird. I don't know what's going on. We How need far to long were you? 22 weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I don't remember knowing the gender at that time, but I was 22 weeks along. And my 23 year old sister took me to the hospital. I was 21. Mm-hmm. And just humiliating. Um, I remember the doctor looking at us and going, Where are your parents? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then coming in and saying, you've lost the baby. And the feeling of gratitude I had in that moment, it was like being saved. Mm-hmm. There, My mom used to say something. She used to say, you know, God will never give you anything that you can't handle. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I could have handled that. You know, like having known, you know, who knows? Right. It's all perfect. Um, but... I got, I, I got a, I got a free pass in a way. Like I got a, like a pass go get out of jail. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I, I just feel like it's so important for us to have conversations with our, with our youth, with our kids about, um, sex and being turned on and what that feels like. And, um, that it's normal. Yeah, it's, that it's more part of the yeah. human experience and yeah. And and it's that's what teenagers are doing and we can turn a blind eye and say, "Oh, it's not happening. We're just not going to we're not buying condoms because if we buy condoms, that means that we're supporting it." Um all of these all of this lack of information. Where do we think our kids are going to learn about that. So either we teach them or someone else is. Mm-hmm. And I would say that maybe it's not being taught because there are even adults th- who don't even know how to be authentically honest with themselves about their own bodies or their own experiences or, mm-hmm. um, well, there's a lot of shame in the so Mormon much, religion. Yeah. Like you talked about, I mean, it's, 
it's close to murder, right? As far mm-hmm. as the, yeah. the sins that are considered. And um, and for me, I lost my virginity at 17. I mean, mm-hmm. I never had a, thank goodness, I never got pregnant and didn't have any issues with that, but was very young. And then all the guilt and the shame, and then we couldn't stop. This was my boyfriend who I okay. loved. You know, and he was supposed to go on a mission and then the guilt and the shame, you know, all the things that come with it. And yet these are normal emotions and normal feelings to have. And, and yeah, I agree with you. It's not something, in fact, I've had conversations with my mom. I'm like, we never had these conversations. I don't even remember you talking to me about what my period was. Mm. And she's like, yes, we did. I'm like, mom, I swear we didn't. My sister has the same memory. She's like, no, mom really didn't ever, but it was, it's part of the culture. It's Mm -hmm. part of that generation Mm -hmm. too. Uh, you know, kind of like, it's almost like a, I don't, I don't know what it is. I mean, it's ingrained deeply in the church that it's a sin, but then you get married and now you're supposed to, you know. Yeah. Know how to be comfortable with your body that you've, we've been covering up mm-hmm. and we've been just, it's very private. And yeah, I think we're setting people up for failure in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I even had this belief. I don't know if this was Mormon or not but that the man would just know what to do. So like even with sex and like all of it, I was just like waiting for him to guide me and kind Mm -hmm. of like lead this thing. And now that I realize as a woman, (laughs) oh, well, you know, like I get to, no, I'm, I'm in that. It's, Mm -hmm. it's this beautiful mutual thing Mm -hmm. that's so rich and full. And, um, I'm grateful for all of it. Amanda, it's been, you know, you and I were talking before we started recording about just things that we learn and, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, it's all perfect. It's all oh, yeah. for our, for our, um, purpose in life. I feel like I'm where I am today and what I'm doing mm-hmm. in teaching women how to be turned on, how to turn on their life and mm-hmm. their light and their radiance and mm-hmm. own that and, you know, be gentle and kind and, and, and grateful for our bodies and looking at our hands and slowly putting lotion on and saying thank you for all the things and just having gratitude for our bodies, my body. Um, it's, it's been a beautiful journey. It's, um, mm-hmm. it's been painful. It's been, um, heart wrenching in ways. There've been like things that, um, I, I, I know as I share with other people can, be one of those opportunities to learn from me and to, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to look like this. We yeah. can have conversations and we can communicate and we can say, you know what, when you see that boy and all of a sudden you start feeling something that you've never felt before and you're like, what is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you think it's him, but it's really you. Mm-hmm. And just learning about how that works and, and, and not shaming it and not saying it's wrong. It's just how... It it's an instinctual thing that happens. We're because when it happens and you're turned on, mm-hmm. there's this feeling of what is going on because it's not a conscious decision. It it yeah. is, but it isn't. Well, it's right? a natural body response. <clears throat> it I, is, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, and in my experience, I would say ninety eight percent of the women that I work with, and some men have been sexually abused at some point mm-hmm. in time in their lives. And the the thing that's interesting about sexual abuse is, especially at a young child, if you are sexually abused, those feelings are turned on at that young age. And there's no conversation or no understanding yeah. as far as what to do with that. 
And um, just through some own personal experience of mine with with family members and things, it's been interesting to navigate that and to actually have conversations around that at a very young age of what do I do with these these feelings and these desires that I'm having when I'm very young and what to do with it and move it through the body instead of suppressing it or shaming it or, or condoning it and saying, oh, this is fine. I'm going to go act on it mm-hmm. because, you know, there's a little bit of a balance there. But that's something too that um, while I'm on this, I had a pre another guest that I haven't released her episode yet because that's something she's asked me not to do. Um, but she shares about her sexual abuse within the religion. But one of the things that she said was really interesting is if we were to teach our children the actual body parts, I have a vagina, I have a penis, I have our children would have more identity for their anatomy instead of my private parts that leaves it really ambiguous. And just that awareness um, repels sexual predators because they know their bodies that much more. And I thought that was really interesting. I'm like, you know what? There's so much truth with that because we do Mm -hmm. private parts. Oh, you know, did anybody touch your private parts? It's like, no, your vagina or your penis, like know your body at a young age. And like, that was really good advice that she shared. And hopefully I'll get to release her episode soon. But anyway, as we're, since we're talking about this, mm-hmm. I think it's a really good, I don't know, thing that a lot of us deal with you yeah, know, on some level. Yeah. We, yeah, there's so many different, um, you know, the sweep it under the rug, if you will, let's don't talk about that because people get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, what if we could just get curious and ask questions with no judgment coming back to that? That yeah. space of no judgment of we're all human. we're just curious. We just want to have a conversation about it, yeah. and because we talk about it, d- you know, it's interesting. I was talking to a friend uh, today, in fact, about how just because we have a thought about something doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to act on it. Mm-hmm. And to be able to have that open dialogue with someone and say, you know what, this has just been a thought. It's been something in my head. It's and. To say it, I can oftentimes work myself through things. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this experience I that I had with Mormonism specifically, which is don't ask questions. Don't get curious. Like, mm-hmm. Shh, Kate, be quiet. You're thinking too much. Just like, <laughs> don't do that. Just, you know, hold uh-huh. on. Uh-huh. Listen to the prophet. Um, I was watching... So I recently had COVID and again, another very, very um, beautiful experience to learn, have so much more compassion for anyone who's experienced that. And I just, um, my heart feels, feels big for you and love and healing because uh, the journey and I was entertained. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you all, I don't really watch TV except for a solid week of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> I watched some really good shows. Um, Sex Life, amazing, by the way. Got to watch that one. And then Emily in Paris. And, oh, I love Emily in Paris. Um, and then I got on lots of documentary things. And in fact, Heal is incredible. It helped me heal. But the one I want to talk about is um, just this. Uh, it's It's so great. It's called Explained on Netflix. And there's lots of different things. There's one on skin and it talks all about our skin. And this one was Colts. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, my daughter wanted to watch it. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's watch it. I think so, I've seen that. Yeah, so we watched it. And, um, you know, just watching this like um, perspective of something that's very different, you know, and like, whoa. And so again, 
coming back to this just curiosity and asking mm-hmm. and there being a space to be able to just ask questions. And what we see is that if there's a cult kind of feel, mm-hmm. um, it's don't ask questions, you do it this way. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a really interesting mind, Amanda, like I can see both sides, mm-hmm. like I can see how I was part of this. Mm-hmm. Because aren't we drinking some kind of Kool-Aid of something? <laughs> always, mm-hmm. we're always choosing like, what our flavor is, right? Um, it's nice to be able to feel like we get to choose that, though, mm-hmm. right? And that it and that we can outgrow things. And because I'm leaving and I'm outgrowing this, it doesn't mean that I, my story, well, the story that was told about me, you know, she just wants to go to Vegas and party. And I did, and it was fun, <laughs> but I wasn't blowing up my life and my family to just go to Vegas, right? right? Um, but it, just a just interesting perspective. I had my neighbors, you talked about community and neighbors. And when I decided to take my garments off and walk out of my front, door. Most of my neighborhood wasn't talking to me anyway, because I had chosen to get divorced. Mm-hmm. And if now you're, you, you had moved to Utah, by the, I by moved the- to Utah. Oh yeah. So in, in true Kate fashion, after I lost the baby, I just was like, I uh, wanted to just feel good mm-hmm. and, um, and just kind of numb out a little bit, you know, it was so intense and I didn't have the support or the, or the tools to, emotionally, what do I do with all of that? Mm -hmm. Um, so I just kind of put it on the shelf for a little while and, um, had a really fun time for about two years. And then I came to this moment where I just was like, um, if I'm going to pull it together, what I know and what I believe and what I've been taught is I, I get to marry a good Mormon guy. So it's going to, I gotta, I'm ready. I'm getting old when you're Mormon and you're 23. <laughs> you're really old and uh, everybody wants to know when why you, are you not married. Yeah, yeah, why yeah. are you not married? So I thought, well, I'm going to go to Utah because that's the place. They're all there. And my mom has a friend who moved to Utah. She said, if you ever want a place to live, you can come live in my basement. So I recu- recruited four people to come with oh, me. <laughs> and we came and moved out to Utah. In fact, I think I'm the only one who's still here, but um, where, my sister, where in Utah? well, that's where all the Mormon guys would be. No, where? In Utah? Oh, where? Yeah. Um, I came to Orem, Orem, Orem so Utah, Utah County. Okay. I was just U- curious. Oh yeah. Utah County, uh-huh. Orem, Utah. I left Auburn. So I got to come and finish one more. Well, they always add more semesters mm-hmm. when you transfer school. So what was going to be a semester ended up being maybe a year and a half. Oh, shoot. But at that time I, um, ended up really getting involved in church again. And I was the vice president of the Orem, Utah Institute for the church nationwide, worldwide, worldwide, I guess, right? Institutes worldwide. Um, And what an experience because, you know, another perspective inside of Utah and Mormonism, because we sat around a business table and there was an apostle and there were people in the SEC, you know, church educational system who were high up, uh, you know, uh, Jack Christensen, apples to onions. And I used to listen to him. I don't know if you did, but he was such a youth conference kind of talk mm-hmm. for people in Alabama. They would, you know, play these different. Anyway, he's, um, but just people that were kind of like idolized, if you will, Yeah. in Alabama is you know, big church people. And then to come here and sit around a table and 
I had always heard that you pray and then that's how, this is how people were chosen to be, yeah. you know, in different callings, praying and yeah, asking about it. And the, the discussion and conversation that would go on about logically who would work for different positions was something I'd never seen before. It was mm-hmm. an inner workings of the church that was, um, was much more intellectual than prayer and heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so to experience that was, uh, was different, but I almost respected it a little bit in a way of, uh, I like, I like this. It makes sense to me that we would also be involved heavily in this decision and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of like both. Um, so I was on the Mormon Institute council and loved that. And, um, was sleeping at my boyfriend's house that, Mm -hmm. Oh, sleeping over at my boyfriend's house though. So funny. And then would run and go into that. And then, I mar- I I met my husband that I was married to for 11 years and had kids and did that and what an what an experience even being in a Mormon marriage because I'd never seen it modeled so I wasn't mm. really sure so what I was going for was just like you know if he, if if I could look at his family and see what the ideal looks like then you know if there's a good chance that that's kind of the direction that it goes. Yeah. And um, I was also in a phase in two years into Utah, I, w- I had decided if I don't meet someone before Christmas, I'm just going to go home and stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met him just before Christmas. And so it was kind of this, uh, when I was in Utah initially, I remember coming here and thinking all of the women, everyone's beautiful Mm. and everyone has everything going for them. And there didn't feel like a lot of specialness. Um, and probably the first time I really had, um, a, a, a tangible experience that I can remember and thinking, uh, I feel bad about myself. I don't feel pretty enough. Mm. I don't feel enoughness in some way. Mm. Um, and I was ready to be picked. So Mm. it was like, just pick me, pick me. (laughs) Um, you know, I was running out of time. I was 24, yeah. turning 25. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it was what I wanted at the time. It was what I wanted. It's what I thought I wanted. Yeah. It's what I thought I wanted. Um, so you didn't leave until after you got divorced? After I got divorced, um, I was on my way out pretty early on. I was unhappy in my marriage after a year. I felt like um, I was isolated from all my people mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't appropriate to have male friends. And I had a lot of male friends. I mm-hmm. worked at a restaurant. I just, I hung out with the guys a lot. I really yeah. enjoy male energy. And um, I was, I felt really alone, really isolated and alone. And like, I guess this is what this is. Like I'm a mom. So rewind, it took me a long time to get pregnant with Savannah. Yeah. And I was mad at I God. Wondered. I thought, wait a second. The first time I get yeah. even start to kind of-ish have sex, I get pregnant. And now I'm married. I want a baby. I mean, time's ticking, remember? Uh-huh. By this time, I'm mm-hmm. close to 26. And it's time to have babies because that's what you do. Yeah. And I kept miscarrying um, around mm-hmm. the same time, that 20-week mark. And then finally, really? so as it turns out in Utah, um, you have to have several miscarriages before there are certain tests or certain things that doctors will do. Hmm. That's what I was told. And so three times 
And then I finally got pregnant and I took progesterone and that's my body doesn't produce it. So that's mm. why I was losing babies. They don't, my, it, it's called an unfavorable cervix, mm. heart shaped. Mm. So I think it's just perfect, but I just needed a little bit of, of help there. So my story with sex and pregnancy and babies and getting pregnant has been tumultuous at yeah. best. And um, I finally got pregnant with Savannah and had her and loved her and was so happy to be a mom, but felt really alone and, al- and isolated. And I started to look at what marriage was looking like, and it felt like it didn't feel like a partnership or a fl- like a friendship in the way that I thought it would. Mm-hmm. It was like we were playing these roles, and this is kind of like how you, but we didn't agree to it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It felt like, mm-hmm. so there was a lot of just like, turmoil inside of me and feeling like this doesn't feel great. I feel really sad. I'm not loving this. Like, and even thinking like, what did I sign up for? Did I sign up for this? How much influence do I have? There was a lot of conversation and that the, the, the husband is the head of the household and he's Mm -hmm. the priesthood holder. And ultimately he decides. Yeah. Um, and I played into that being small role. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a pleaser. I wanted to please. I didn't, again, I didn't know what this was supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And I didn't trust myself because I wasn't in a, you know, I wasn't asking myself a lot. I was doing what I was told. That's mm-hmm. the thing about, you I know, how, the motion. yeah, the, that's my experience of, um, of Mormonism mm-hmm. is there's someone who just tells you what to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm just doing it. I'm just being a good Mormon wife and doing whatever, whatever they, whatever they say and feeling just some, just some conflict in that. Yeah. So I was, um, on a date. Um, cause that's what, that's how you help your marriage, right? You start mm-hmm. dating again. Um, but dating and, and a, a date always equal ended in sex. And so I was hesitant. I didn't, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. Like, uh, I'm not feeling it. Like, I don't really like you right now. I'm willing to go to dinner with you because I feel like this could be helpful, but the expectation, I just need to like, make it really clear that like, this is not happening. So pretty early on, he started convincing me, selling me on why we should have sex. Mm. You know, and I, and he's really good at getting what he wants because he will wear, it's just this, it's kind of like the kid that's like pulling on your shirt, like mom, 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 mom. And then finally you're just like, whatever. Yes. Just like stop. Right. <laughs> okay. That's the, that's where we are. So, you know, I said, well, you need to wear a condom. And he was like, no, I come on, Kate, we hate those. I'm like, we do hate those. We hate condoms, but I am not on birth birth control and I do not want to get pregnant. Yeah. And so then however long, no condom, I'll pull out. Mm-hmm. Okay. You promise like you swear, like mm-hmm. you promise me, like look mm-hmm. me in the eyes. You promise. I promise. I promise. So we're having sex. And instead of pulling out, he grabs me by my hips and pulled me in and held on to me. And he came in me. And that feeling of betrayal in that moment when like you looked at me and told me you wouldn't do that and you just did that. Mm -hmm. Like what the fuck just happened? Like what is happening right now? So about four weeks later, I found out I was pregnant and I hated him. I was pissed. And he said, good luck trying to leave me now. 
Jeez. Yeah. Again, pissed at God, pissed. I mean, just like, like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I was, I didn't want to be pregnant. And here I am again. And about 20 weeks comes along and I knew, you know, that I didn't want her. Uh, you know, the work I've had to do around that. Oh, I can imagine. You know, this moment as a mom, for those of us, you, be, you either know or you don't. It's like you either had COVID or you haven't. <laughs> but you put your hands on your stomach, you know, and you know when that there's this there's this moment when you feel the baby, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, and I knew that she knew I didn't want her. And I had to make a decision in that moment. And I just decided, you know what? It is what it is. And I'm going to ship that. And she was born colicky, cried for 12 weeks and the energy of it and just all of it is now that I understand energy, that I understand that, you know, we are, our womb is such a sacred, sacred place, Mm -hmm. sacred place. And, and here I am teaching about womb healing because my own experience in the womb and with getting pregnant and that um, space. But I will say the one thing I know And there's a beautiful medicine called White Lily that showed me that Sadie chose me. Mm -hmm. And we chose in this together. And uh, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I now have tools that I understand Mm -hmm. that life is happening for me and that the answers are inside of me Mm -hmm. and that I don't have to go ask someone else. It's great to get confirmation or validation and... But this journey inward to to love me, to trust me, to ask me, to ask myself, um, I wonder maybe I wouldn't be where I am today had I not been Mormon. Yeah, and I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for it. Um, I think I broke out of that glass ceiling though, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and got curious and wanted to find out what more is out there for me and how I can continue to go in yeah. and ask myself. And you know this, we've. You and I share some similar mm-hmm. womb um, connection of of sharing that and teaching and, and heart space and that heart and womb mm-hmm. connection. In fact, you have a beautiful heart opener retreat coming up. Mm-hmm. I do, I do. Yeah. yeah, special. Yes, it is. So you, so you had Sadie. Mm-hmm. How many years later did you actually leave? Okay, so. Two more, two more kids after that. So you have four kids. The fourth, the, the, the third husband. one, we used a condom, but I, there must have been a hole in it. So again, I was pissed at God that time more than anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I may have thrown a pregnancy test across the room. I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a dream about John Edward, my fourth, yeah. um, before I even got pregnant with Jackson. So I was sure of this little boy. And even when I knew I was going to get divorced, I was like, okay, there's a little guy who's coming and I'm going to be really intentional about him and bringing him in. And uh, he's just the, just like a spirit animal or something. He's just like, (laughs) knows what to do. He's always just knowing what to do. He's so cool. Um, So yeah, so I had two more boys. And then when John Edward was two, I was finally like, okay, I can do this. I was ready. Yeah, I'd been in therapy for so many years been working on me, right? Because the story was, Kate, you're the problem. Mm. I'm happy and I don't have a problem with our marriage. So if you're the one that has the problem, you need to figure that out. So yeah, 
I did. And, and I think in some ways, maybe I would have stayed, I don't know, but there wasn't a lot of space and grace to be able to find out what I wanted. There was a lot of judgment, a lot of, um, turning me into the bishop, if you will. And the bishop reading me scriptures to bridle my tongue for saying, I'm not in love with you anymore. Um, and being really honest about my feelings. There was, there was a lot of be quiet. Don't say that. You don't get to talk like that. Um, bridle Hmm. your tongue. That's not okay. Yeah. So, um, I was done after that, the bridle your tongue when I was like, are we serious? I had started reading a book. Um, in fact, I was curious because what I noticed is that, you know, there can kind of be some campaigning that goes on in getting callings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always just the prayer, right? right? It's maybe like who's there, where you are. And so at the, toward the end of my marriage, um, my husband wanted to be in the bishopric. It was kind of the thing to do. Like these guys, his friend group was successful with like business. And then after business, it was like, okay, so like what's your status with your church calling? And what are you doing there? And so there was kind of this like, hey, we're going to go to the temple because they're splitting the ward and these people are going to be there. And, you know, I just like to have my face like be there like Mm -hmm. and observing them like this is interesting. Like I didn't I had never heard about this. Mm -hmm. So again, and asking questions and and wanted to know. So I went to Deseret Bookstore and there's a book there called Rough Stone Rolling. Mm hmm. And, um, I started reading that book and I was so fascinated and I was saying out loud, reading it out loud, just saying like, did you know this? Have you heard this? Wait a second. Joseph Smith, 14 year old, what? And his wife, but Emma doesn't know. And she's like the housekeeper. I'm like, oh no, I know what's going on right now. Like this isn't (laughs) okay. Let's make some rules to like work for us. And so just seeing that just again, information, having all the information and being able to see it. It's mm-hmm. so interesting how it's like private and secretive, of course, because it's like, what? What well, goes from God's church to a man's church? Yes, right? re- always. Don't mm-hmm. you? Do you believe that? I think mm-hmm. all, that's the one caveat that it, religion. yes, mm-hmm. if, if it could stay in the purity of what it is and not even just religion, there are some other kind of interesting things. You know, I told you I've been watching some pretty interesting documentaries. Uh, there's one on the Reds. It's the people that Osho led. Oh, it's a, it's a great one. It, yeah. But, um, you know, it become it, when it shifts from this really pure, um, space to someone an idolized person is put on a pedestal and there's this kind of worshiping Mm -hmm. or like they know it's when it shifts from everything's inside of you to this you know yeah follow um, the follow the prophet yeah no matter what he knows the way Mm -hmm. yeah 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 so you had the courage to step out and it was i did it was hard to go through a divorce and to lose my community and my people yeah um but I did have a new tribe, and my new tribe is they. I, I just even still am so grateful. I have some key mm-hmm. friends who were just again in the most beautiful, gentle way, subtly offering a different perspective. You yeah. know, like, well, have you noticed this, or you know, maybe this is something to just behaviors and things that I realized this isn't this is not normal, or this I've kind of been in this. 
Um, there were so many scare, so many um, threats of how bad things would be. You know, I heard things like, you'll never be able to do it on your own. And um, if I were him, I would make her life hell about a friend getting divorced, yeah. you know, yeah. all of these like things of, of knowing that maybe this is how it would look like. And I was determined to, mm. in my words, I did not want to screw my kids up. Yeah. It's my biggest, that was my greatest reason for staying. You know, I've weighed out for a really long time. You know, if we are not living together, if we're not married, I have less influence here, you know? And there were some things that were going on that I was just aware of, like not myself, not feeling comfortable. And so it's an interesting thing to get divorced because I wanted to take away, like somehow, like, you know, I believe that I didn't realize how much I would still have my co-parent in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I thought divorce would be divorce and it would look like my mom's divorce, which is where she didn't talk to my dad anymore. And there was a lot of, um, in my opinion, unhealthy um, communication. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to create something different. So we got a divorce coach. We had a co-parent coach. And there was a lot of coaching um, a lot of experts who know how to do things in a in a space that's best for kids and how to have yeah. the best conversation. We learned a lot about communication and people being able to articulate emotions and feelings and how what does that look like and feel like and um, yeah. So he's still my greatest teacher, you know, oh, yeah. and not going anywhere. And I'm grateful for him. In fact, I keep saying, get on stage with me. Let's start talking. Because he has a story of his own that he gets to retell. And um, yeah, just continues to be a journey. You know, my my cute kids yesterday, uh, they go to church and had the primary program yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I find myself, I've been back some, Mm -hmm. you know, since I left. And it it seems, I've had different feelings around it. When I first went back, I was still, um, I wanted to point out everything that was wrong. Mm-hmm. I wanted to call bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I needed just like a paddle on mm-hmm. the, just right. the bullshit paddle is <laughs> really what I wanted. And I found myself just being like, oh my gosh, this is, and then I got asked to do or wanted to, I involved myself in my kids' baptisms. That was really important to me. I wanted to, yeah, be a, to, part. Yeah, be a yeah. part of it. And so I, I've done things like that. I think my, um, I was, you know, my rebellious side of me, um, maybe came off less graceful initially. And I hope that now there's a little bit more space for that, but, um, it still kind of triggers me. There are things about it that still like the songs, the Mm -hmm. programming that the like marching, as you're saying, follow the prophet. There's like some interesting things again. And as I was saying, I was watching the FLDS was also on the cult documentary, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where we, that's where we Mormons came from. Mm-hmm. And as I was watching that, I actually wa- um, read a book called the witness war red. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. If you haven't read it, it's, it's about the girl who testified against um, Warren, Jeff. Warren Jeffs and ultimately um, he was convicted and you Again, learning, it's just learning, it's information, but Mm -hmm. learning how the FLDS church was Joseph Smith's, it was the Mormon church. And technically, if God is always God and all knowing, then whatever is the beginning 
I thought, oh, then if any of the churches are true, it's the FLDS church, right? (laughs) At this moment of Uh like, wait a second. And um, to to watch that and to read about the history of, and knowing like, this is the history of the church that I'm saying I belong to. And if it all falls on the testimony of Joseph Smith, it's just this interesting perspective now to look at it with all the information Mm-hmm. Or with more information and say, like, how does that all apply now? Or like, how do I yeah. feel about that? Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting. It is. Wow. I'm still really um, curious. There's so much I don't know. I think the church is always changing. Mm-hmm. The The Mormon church with Joseph Smith is not the same church that there was with Brigham Young, which is not the same church that there is today. It, mm-hmm. It's constantly changing and oh, evolving. Yeah. And I think it's great. It's what keeps it alive. I don't. I don't know that. I mean, I don't know. There's FLDS. They're still alive. Few. Yeah. In fact, I was. Uh, they only have 64% of their population since Warren Jeffs went to jail. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they say it creates a bond. So they're more committed than they've ever been. Mm. Because part of the prophecy was that, you know, there would be, you know, hardships or. Oh, so they assume this is part of the prophecy. This is part of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so isn't it? It's just fascinating the stories yeah. we can tell ourselves. Yeah. Well, it is always the stories we tell ourselves. And what feels like you good. Said, which Kool-Aid we're deciding to drink. Yes. But having it be more of a conscious choice, yeah. that's the kicker. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Well, I think that's awesome. And I think it's beautiful that you're trying to have more grace in how you support your kids because that's yeah. challenging. My kids were Mormon for quite a while mm-hmm. until they chose out. But it was, yeah, when you go step back in that space, I would, I'd always remember, I just, okay, just let me just see with an open mind. That's always, always, I would always go into the space and it is challenging to go, how did, I used to lead primary hymns and I used to lead, I was a chorister in sacrament. And it's like, how did I not hear some of these things that are in the hymns? Like this is, nope, nope, nope. You know, it is fascinating and sad and, and it's what they choose into for a yeah. record. For however long they're going to choose into, and and so you want to support them in that, and yeah, it's about the human, right? Yeah. For me, that's what I I I find myself coming back to. You know, we're all we're all programmed. In fact, I just wrote, and I'm still we're expanding a course on. It's called Reprogram Rewire. Mm-hmm. It's all about how we've all been programmed and wired, yeah. and we can change that. There's just awareness of go of oh, I'm doing the thing, or I'm you know, and just making these shifts and tweaks and we can do it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's fascinating to even be studying that. Yeah. And then to see we're all programmed from the ages of zero to seven is when we take it all in. So mm-hmm. it's our culture, it's our parents, it's our, you know, preschool yeah. um, environment, the environment around wh- where we live. Um, so no, we're all programmed. Mm-hmm. And and what's beautiful is saying there's a space in life when you can start to really ask, is this programming working for me? Mm-hmm. Is this creating more happiness and joy and whatever I want more of in my life? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. it's a yes or a no. Yeah. And um, our, we're, we're so powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the one thing that I am grateful to know now. We're so powerful. And isn't it interesting that when people are in charge or when people are on a pedestal, if if we realize that it's all within us and we're so powerful, what happens? That crumbles, right? Mm-hmm. And it falls. It's no longer. Every time. Every time. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm not a big history buff. I don't love history, but that is one thing I love about history repeating itself. Yeah. Is that there are these patterns. Yeah, for and, sure. 
Yeah. I love that. What would be, is there anything else that you would love to leave the listeners? Any words of wisdom with Mm. their journey out of religion? Mm Because, you know, it's, it can be tricky and challenging and you can feel alone. Yes. I thank you. This is a great question. Um, It's not as scary as it seems and it's layered. So it's a practice and we peel back the layers and we get a little bit better and we have more grace doing it. Um, and you'll, there are tribes. I feel so passionately. One thing I love doing is gathering mm-hmm. and I love gathering women and circles and healing space. Mm-hmm. You know, when we have a place to peel back the layers, it gets, it's because it's a safe space yeah. and you'll find your tribe. Just be be clear on what you want. Make a list. How do you want to feel when you're with these people? This is what manifesting is. And we all can do it. It's the more clear we are on what we want. Um, we can get it. So just, I would say, ask yourself, that's what Kate Strong would say, ask yourself and know that in the beginning that can be really uncomfortable because we're not used to asking ourselves. And then you question yourself, but whatever comes in that first three seconds is your higher self speaking to you, mm-hmm. you talking to you. There's no, there's no moment to go to the brain and think and question it. Okay. So in the, ask yourself and whatever comes in the first three seconds and just start to get to know you mm-hmm. and find out what you love and what feels good and what turns you on and what lights you up and, um, and, and love your body. And it's this beautiful vehicle to give us this experience of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the body is. We are, we are our soul. You know, we are, our, are that essence of who we are, but this body is an experiential thing and, um, have fun and joy and pleasure and, um, yeah. And find the gratitude. Yeah. There's some, there's always, and, and I ask myself, how is this happening for me? Mm-hmm. instead of to me. And that has been a game changer. Yeah. You know, we take the power back when we say, how is this? Ha-? Again, coming to curiosity, mm-hmm. asking, how is this happening for me? Because yeah. um, we have it. We think we have it figured out in a way, mm-hmm. or maybe like what it's going to be like, but we'll, the surrender to that and just like, yeah. how is this happening for me? Well, I love that. Cause yeah. actually we're always manifesting. Mm-hmm. We're just not aware that we're always manifesting. So Unconsciously that or consciously. Yeah. Yes. Like, wait a minute, how am I creating this right yes. now? Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, how can people find you? Because you help, you do coaching, you do retreats. What's the best way for people to find you if they're wanting to know more about Kate Strong? Yeah, um, thanks for asking. So um, I run my own social media on Instagram. It's Kate Strong World. I would love for you to um, connect with me there. I have a website, mystrongworld.com, and um, it's launching just now as we speak. Um, it is exciting. Um, so you can go on there and again, I have an opportunity there to chat. I, I prefer to chat on text. It's just kind of like right here. And so I have options for that too. And yeah. Oh, great. Well, I'll make sure and put all that in the show notes. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your story and for leaning in and being here and showing up. Appreciate it. It feels good to be here. You have a beautiful space. Well, thank you. And it's nice um, that you're creating a community for us to be able to talk about our experiences and and what's happened. Isn't it fascinating how we all have our own unique mm-hmm. unique journey, and yet it, there is a story to be told. Oh yeah, and there's some everybody can identify with something. That's what's always fun with our stories when we share. It's like okay, I identify here and 
that was helpful here, you know, Mm -hmm. really helps with empowering each other. I feel like it does. So, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with us and for listening to Kate's story. As always, these stories are beautiful and her story was powerful. And I really appreciated her illuminating some light to some really challenging topics to talk about. And if you want to find more about Kate, you can visit her on her website, mystrongworld.com or on social media at Kate Strong World. And make sure and go check her out, find her, follow her, check out what events she's got going on. I know she has a lot of things um, that are happening. So if you resonated with her and with her story, you'll want to take a minute to go track her down. And as always, just a gentle reminder that you are not alone and that these stories are powerful and hopefully a reminder that wherever you're at in your life, you can get through this and you've got this and that there's learning and growth and beauty that it will be coming through whatever experience you're currently in. And as always, sending you so much love.